I'm going to piggyback uh, a little bit, just a little bit on uh, Shane's sermon last, last week. And the book, of, the book of Mark is amazing. So it is probably one of the easiest books and high adventure books you could read as far as the gospels are concerned because it's like Jesus is, Jesus did this, Jesus did that, bang, bang. You know, people are getting healed. People are getting delivered from demons. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's the closest book I know that is like, like Lord of the Rings because I, that's, that's the kind of books when I was reading when I was a kid. Like that really touched me and it really spoke to me. I just, I love adventure. And I love the whole New Testament because of that because it, it feels very uh, epic. Uh, and the book of Mark, in my opinion, is kind of like that, where Jesus is going around, um, and he's saying really profound things. Uh, but I want to go ahead and go back to uh, the original text uh, from Mark chapter 4, <clears throat> uh, 3 to 8. And this is Jesus' words. He said, listen, he said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell, some fell along the path. And the, words, and the birds came up and ate it. Be, be mindful that seeds in this uh, parable, is not, it's people, right? So people are being thrown out. And sometimes, like, birds will come and take up that seed. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the uh, soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Another seed fell among thorns, which grew up but, and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Uh, here's my favorite part. Uh, still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30 and 60, some 100 times. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> we're talking about seeds being thrown into various landscapes, uh, and I think the first couple of scenarios where they talk about birds eating the seed or stealing the seed, uh, uh, seed not taking root, you know, I, I feel, when I read that, this, I feel like my responsibility for those people is just to pray for them. Because I believe those first three scenarios is talking about uh, a person's uh, attitude towards the Lord, and are they are they going to choose to be are they going to choose to be grounded, right? But at the very end, there's an example where it says that some seed that's all of us we fell on good soil, and we produced, and we grew, and we flourished. Um, I have I've read this so many times, and as I feel a personal responsibility to that very special group um, where the seed fell on good soil and they started to grow. Um, and I, I totally believe, like the scripture says, like, abide in me, remain in me, right? Uh, I am the vine, you're the branch. Like, if you abide in God, uh, you're going to grow. Uh, but how many people know, and who would agree with me, that it's not done in a vacuum. <clears throat> it's not just me and Jesus, and that's all we, that's it, that's all I need, right? Abiding in Christ is also being rooted in good relationships, in church, not just the word. We need the word, but it, it takes the community, and this is what we have here. We have a, a very beautiful uh, community. So my question is, what happens to those 
who are new in faith or have just been following Jesus for a few years, I always wondered, like, who's gonna, who is going to come around these seats? Who, who's going to come around these, these new people and be a support uh, and be family to them? Uh, <clears throat> I would say um, my life was saved because people came around me. My gosh, I don't know. I honestly don't know where I would be if I didn't have uh, like spiritual uh, mothers and fathers who uh, took care of me and saw to me. Uh, <clears throat> so one of the things, so Crystal and I, I love, there's my wife, Crystal. Good job today, love. Uh, one of the things I love about ministry is that my ministry is uniquely tied to my wife. Um, we minister probably like 85% together. Um, and we do like a lot of one-on-ones, um, but I absolutely love it. One of the books we read here in this church was by uh, Judah Smith. I think it was called Jesus Is. Um, and he had, uh, he had a quote that he used often, and it's the one the Lord loves. And that stayed with us. I would say for you and I, that is our battle cry. You know, um, so we read it about a, a year ago, and we started implementing that in our prayers when we talked to others. But that was in our hearts a long time ago. Just that, that phrase, we were able to put words to it, right? <clears throat> and so... Um, that idea of the one the Lord loves comes from John 11, 1 through 5. I'm going to read that. Now a certain man was sick. He was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was, uh, it was that Martha who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters went to him saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. He's making a distinction that this guy that you love, he is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now, again, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, the one the Lord loves. Jesus' love was so evident towards this family, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, that the author makes a point to say, these are the people that Jesus loved. <clears throat> Could you imagine that? Being so loved by God, you made the Bible. I made it into the Bible because you love me that much. Uh, and I feel like the love of God, the subject of the love of God, is so widely discussed that sometimes it loses its power because it's, you're just so familiar with the term, the love of God. And I have known many, many Christians over the years where they struggle is in that area. They could have been walking with the Lord since they were a child and still the revelation of God's love for them still has not 
manifested, or, or maybe that's not the right word, has rooted. So they still, they still doubt. And I think, you know, I, I have absolutely been one of those people, and maybe some of you are feeling that way too. You, you can believe the love of God for other people, but it's, it's kind of hard to accept it uh, for yourself. Vanessa? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, it's the little things. It's the little things that just wear you down. Like you, if you mess up, if you have a bad attitude, things going crazy in your, in your um, marriage or at work, you're just like, God, suddenly it's, we're, we, we're so fragile. We, we get shook. And then we wonder, God, where are you? Do, you? do you even see me? Do you even love me? I messed up. It's all on me. I'm so sorry. And you just wonder, but I have to tell you, I'm going to make a greater point in a moment, but it's important to, to discuss this for just a bit. I have a few scriptures that, I'm going to, that I've placed over here that I want you to really consider. Does God really love me? Well, what scripture says will blow your mind. Scripture says that he knew who you were before you were even born. Before you, before you were even in the womb, God, God had a vision of you. God knew how you were going to be made. Jeremiah 1, 1, 5, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah 29, 11, very famous. We quote it all the time. It talks about how God has plans, purpose for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. These plans are to prosper you, and they are not to harm you. They are plans to give you hope and a future. How does that sit? That sits good. <clears throat> I also want to uh, bring up Isaiah 49. Again, the whole idea, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. Isaiah 49, 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she might forget, the Lord says, I will never forget you. See, I've engraved you in the palm of my hands. I was thinking about this. I've, I've thought about this scripture a lot, especially about how God just tattoos your name on your hand. When I, I don't know, when I was young, I remember in elementary school, there would be girls who would, they would have a crush, and they would take out their little ink pen. You already know, right? And the girls would write their crush on their hand, right? And at the end of the day, it was all smeary, and you're like, whose name did you have on your hand, right? But the Lord, the Lord did the same thing. The Lord, for every single one of you, he loved you so much. Talk about uh, ink art. He tattooed your name on his hand. He will never forget you. You are absolutely dear to him. It does not matter what affliction has been placed on you, what affliction you've placed on yourself. He has not forgotten you. He is crazy for you. 
loves you forever. I say that to my son. I say it to my daughter all the time. I will love you forever. Forever. We're wired. I, I just believe this. We are wired for love and affection. Anyone who has social media knows you sometimes you just, did anyone like my post? There are some, you can even throw a heart up because we, they understand we're just looking for acceptance and we're looking for love. <clears throat> Have you ever met someone in the body of Christ who has a lot of knowledge, but there's like, you're like, where's your love? Like, they're, it's easy for them to point out, this is right, this is wrong, this is the way we do things. Um, and it feels like, like it's not working. They're, though they're trying to help, there's, there's just something missing. Have you ever met anyone like that? Has that been you? That's totally, absolutely been me. First uh, Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Clank. Clank. Some, have you ever just walked around and you felt like, like you're just hearing clank, clank? Has that come from you? It's, I've absolutely hit the clank bell so many times. But the most powerful revelation that I've experienced uh, as a believer and as someone who's gone into the word of God, it has been how powerful God's love is for us. And I want to uh, tell you just a really quick story. So uh, I, I came from a really dynamic church uh, when I was a teenager, uh, when I was in my 20s. And I'm telling you, like, the worship was fire. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had just wonderful wonderful encounters with the Lord. And something very interesting, so Shane, Pastor Shane, was in this congregation as well. And a lot of us felt uh, a calling towards ministry. God hooked our hearts in such a way that in our youth group, in our uh, young adult uh, ministry, so many just felt the calling of God to serve him in a ministry capacity. Uh, and you know what? I felt that too. Uh, I was probably uh, 17 or 18 when I recognized it. I went into the internship program there to be a pastoral intern. Uh, it was probably one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. But what I noticed is that uh, people around me were getting accepted into ministry schools or got accepted into other churches uh, and I just saw all, everyone around me seemed to be, like, picked. And I couldn't help but to feel a little left behind. At the time, I was doing youth ministry. We, did, we had a youth worship team. Uh, we did small groups with young people. And I, I don't want to downplay it. I absolutely loved it. But sometimes, sometimes you can get in the mindset, like, I just want the more. I want what God's really calling me to. As if what I was doing was a placeholder until something better came along. Uh, so at the time I was working at uh, an antique reproduction 
distribution warehouse. So what that meant was, uh, you know, the owners would buy like these 40-foot containers from China and they would ship them over. Uh, and the product looked like they were like antique, I don't know, statuaries or bird cages or like baby buggies, uh, but they were a knockoff. They weren't real. But we, would, but we would try to make it look like, oh, yeah, you're getting a deal here. Uh, but one of the items that came in were these uh, little, like, baby like cherubs. They were statuaries made of resin, and there were, like, little <coughs> cherubs. You guys know what that is? Like, toddlers with wings, right? And so we ordered them in August so we can have them by Christmas because everybody wants an angel for Christmas. So it was, like, in November... Uh, we got a whole bunch of them, and they were broken. They they broke uh, during the shipment from China to um, to here in California. And I kind of have an artistic uh, flair, so my boss was like, "These babies, you got to fix them because we're we're selling them. They're a hot item." And so I took them out of the boxes, and they're laying all before me, and I took out my art kit. And I'm talking, uh, it's more than just paint. I, I had to go get Bondo to fill in the, you know, to put it back together and fill in the holes. And, um, and at the time, I was like low. I was like, God, where are you? This is not where I want to be at all in this hot warehouse. I'm, I want to do the ministry of God, but here I am, Fixing babies. <laughs> so I took out, I took out the bondo. I'm getting high at it at the same time. Sandpapering, painting, taking out this antique spray to make it look like, you know, nothing to see here. This is how it's supposed to look. And I'm and I'm putting together uh, these little broken babies. Right, and I felt, and I'm telling you, I was low, and I felt the voice of God in that low moment. And he says, this is what I've called you to do, that you are taking care and mending my precious ones. Thank you. I appreciate that. And he reminded me, and we had a huge youth group of all the young people that I had influence over. All the, peop- all the young people I would take to Disneyland. I mean, that's the smallest things. Uh, have a <clears throat> small group. Listen, I would listen to them. And the Lord said, this is it. This is it. I've called you to my precious ones. And I have to tell you, I'm, no, I'm not one who walks around hearing the voice of God all the time. But that impacted my heart so much that it carried me on to the next seasons of my life. I knew God asked me to serve him. But I never realized, it's so obvious, but I never realized that serving God like it meant serving people. I never, for some reason, I never connected that. By nature, um, I get it. I, I, I'm a quiet person. 
Most people will recognize that. I'm talking right now, but in a group, I might be a little more quieter. <clears throat> so it's not, so I get it when people say, it's not, it's not always easy to put yourself out there. I, I, I totally get it. John 21, 15, 17. This scripture has burned within my heart for years. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, you just asked me. Yes, I absolutely love you. And Jesus, again, responds, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter got his feelings hurt because he asked him again, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said again, man, when Jesus says it three times, you pay attention, feed my sheep. I identify that with that. I identify with taking care of God's loved ones. You are the one that he loves. This has been the heavenly instruction for my life. Here's the thing, like God's not asking you to start a, a dynamic, razzle-dazzle ministry. He's asking you to do something that is meaningful to him. There's an expression that says, crack your chest. Why? So you can expose your heart. <clears throat> we can afford to do that. Crack open your chest and expose your heart. I think about the, the story where the woman came in to Jesus in front of everyone and just got on her knees and poured out her poured out her heart. She poured out her tears. She cracked open an expensive vial of perfume. And, and, and people were indignant. What's she doing? Who is this girl? And Jesus just makes a simple point. And he says that if, <clears throat> if you have been forgiven much, you love much. That, that, is, that is it. When the, when, when the woman looked at Jesus, Jesus became a mirror where she could see where she messed up. All those areas where she needed God to forgive her. And he did. And he did. 
So here she comes, understanding the forgiveness that's been offered to her. And she doesn't care what everyone thinks. There is so much within her. There's so much thankfulness. There's so much worship that she just pours out her heart. She pours out her tears because God has filled her with love. Jesus is her true devotion. Jesus is my true devotion, your true devotion. You have love to give. That, that right here is enough to chew on. It doesn't matter how shy you are, how much you deal with anxiety, this or that, I've been too hurt. And those actually are excuses. You've been saved. You have been set free. You are no longer a slave to your old sin. You have a new nature. You have love to give. You have love to give. Hallelujah. So this is why I ask when it comes to seeds. So they're growing in the Lord. But my question is, what happens to new believers in the church, and where do they go for comfort, instruction, encouragement, and family? And I would say the obvious answer is you. So today, I feel like I'm speaking to two different groups. I'm speaking to one group who is asking, who is saying, I love the Lord, but like, where do I go to be rooted? Where's my, where's my family? And if that's one of you, Ask God for that. God, lead me to a family. God, lead me to my spiritual mom, a spiritual dad that will just encourage me. The second group I'm speaking to are those who are seasoned in the Lord. And you've been walking with God for a while. And I would challenge you to crack your chest to expose your heart and ask God to lead you to the people that you need a shepherd. I'm going to tell you a secret. This is Shane's secret, and I'm putting it all out there. In our leadership teams, he doesn't sit there and say, I'm the pastor and I need you to do this. He says, we pastor. The responsibility doesn't lie on, on Shane or Derek or Phil or anyone else. The responsibility to love other people is on you. That is, that is the holy calling of God on your life. And it's not just a, a calling. It is just a blessed privilege. It is, it is the highest calling God could have asked you to do is to open up your life and give your life for another person. And I, I think um, we're talking about mentoring. I talk about this all the time because I absolutely believe it. There, I've, I've been in different mentoring settings and some people assign homework. All right, <laughs> That's not how I do it. I believe the most effective way of pouring your life into someone else is just inviting them over 
inviting them over for dinner, inviting them over to hang out, going to the movies. That's like my number one thing. Hey, have you seen this movie yet? Let's go to the movies because I love it. And what happens while you spend more and more time, you just rub off on each other, right? And then you say, then, then, there's, then there's opportunity and there's room for them to ask questions about, hey, how do you navigate this? Crystal and I have done this before. We hung out with new people and they want to know, how do you, how do you navigate finances? How do you navigate raising children, right? And you rub off and you talk about ideas. And it, here's the thing, it's, it doesn't, it's not dynamic on paper, but it's, it's dynamic in the heart of the person getting strengthened. So God is asking you, do you love me? And his response to that is, if you do, feed my sheep. Uh, so <clears throat> before we were at this church, uh, we, when we were at our other fellowship, uh, we didn't really have a lot of um, opportunity to mentor or anything. So... But I felt like the Lord. I felt like the Lord said to me, "I'm calling you to be a father in the house of God." And I looked at Crystal, and I knew I knew it included her as well. And I just said, "I have to tell you, like, there's no evidence of this." <laughs> but I feel like God is calling us to be a father and mother in His house. And uh, she just looked at me like, "Oh, I don't know about that. We'll think about it." Uh, and then we came to Heart Church, and again, it was a small church. I honestly didn't know how big Heart Church was going to become. We, we arrived, and it was, what, like 15, 20 people? And I looked at Crystal, and I felt it. Mm. In faith, there were no young people. There, were no, there was no youth. There was no 20-year-olds. I said, I know God has called us to be a father and, and a mother in the house of God. I knew it, and I'm telling you, God has been fulfilling that in different ways. And I believe God has called us to be guardians of seed, that's life, sheep, the ones that the Lord loves. John 15, 9 through 14 as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is, this is a, what I believe the challenge I'm giving to you today. Find your people. If you're young, if you're new to Christ, ask God to show you who your people are. For everyone else who, are, who is seasoned, Ask God to crack open your chest and allow other people in. Dear God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the power 
of your love. Uh, <clears throat> my gosh, where would we be if someone had not looked at us and said, I'll take you in. So I pray, Father, uh, that you would just do that um, in our hearts, that we would be fathers and mothers, mentors, teachers, coaches in the house of God. In Jesus' name.